Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm Glossy Senior Reporter Hillary Milnes, and this week we're recording live at the very first Glossy Summit here in Miami. Joining us for our On the Road episode is Jeff Fowler, President of Farfetch North America. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. Uh, so you're here at the summit. Um, I'm glad you were able to give us a little bit of extra time for the podcast uh, to chat about your session. And you are talking about Farfetch's store of the future in particular. Indeed. So do you want to give us a walkthrough of what exactly it is um, when you say store of the future? It's a, it's a little bit vague, um, just in, in regular person terms, man, man on the street style. Sure. Yeah, this is a very common question that is posed to Farfetch because if you know our company's history a bit, you know that we've been around since 2008. We started as a marketplace, as a pure tech player, uh, and we have grown in the eight years since to become you know now the highest trafficked uh, luxury fashion website in uh, in the world um, and so really with this kind of successful growth this exponential growth online people question well why farfetch and why physical retail what what do the two have to do with one another uh, and then you need to go back to the beginnings of 2008 when really farfetch was from day one really disrupting physical retail and really trying to begin the process of creating stores of the future right uh, what sets you guys apart from like a net-a-porter or a matches fashion is your focus on the boutique. Correct, yeah. So we are not a retailer ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're a marketplace. Uh, we are, if you will, kind of similar to an eBay where, you know, eBay doesn't actually hold product or sell product. Uh, it's sellers on eBay connecting with buyers on eBay. So in our case, it's uh, the supply, which comes from the world's leading uh, fashion boutiques from all over the world, and increasingly more and more directly brands that are selling products uh, directly on Farfetch. And we're finding the consumer wherever they might be. So we're sourcing from over 40 countries now, selling into 192 countries in the world. We say that Farfetch is really a platform for the creators, mm -hmm. the curators, and the consumers of fashion. But again, without selling that product ourselves, we're not the retailer of the product. We're really uh, we're really connectors and enablers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we think that from day one, we were doing that. You know, we were sort of taking this beautiful boutique that was a gem in maybe Corsica and finding a way to connect that with with a consumer in, say, Tokyo. And in doing so, we were really starting to create this idea of uh, futuristic retail where you know, the world was flattened and leveled out and basically the customer could find the perfect product wherever it might be, uh, as long as that boutique was a part of the Farfetch network. Mm -hmm. And now in 2017, as we think about kind of what is the future of retail, um, well, the basis of it is that it's really about trying to connect the right product at the right time to the right customer somewhere in the world. And uh, as we kind of you know live in this increasingly uh, mobile and say urgent world where everything is about having things and having them now, we think that you know as customers want to spend their time, which is incredibly precious, uh, shopping, going through and sort of spending an afternoon in the traditional way of shopping in a bricks and mortar uh, environment, we want to make sure that that time is valuable and that it's not spent. 
looking for products and searching and hunting them down and asking, you know, do you have this in my size? This is pretty basic. You know, mm -hmm. we can figure these things out now. So that when you go to the store, a lot of that has already been figured out. And when you're in the store, you're actually having a much more qualitative, interactive, uh, personalized luxury experience with the sales associate, who we think, again, can be much more of a sales influencer as opposed to just basically a stock checker. Right. And so so say if someone walks in, it, it, this, like a store of the future powered by Farfetch isn't going to, is it going to feel much different? Um, you know, how are people's, you know, experiences going to change if they, if they walk into one of these stores? Are they going to, is it going to like smack them in the face or is it going to be a little <laughs> bit more nuanced? <laughs> I think it's a great question. Um, it shouldn't smack them in the face. Mm -hmm. And really, I think that customers somehow would probably reject that. They would feel that it's technology for technology's sake. Right. And that doesn't feel intuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of things. I think first and foremost, you know, customers, they are leaving data all over the place when they are shopping online. They're interacting with brands, with apps, with websites, with social media, etc. And they're leaving effectively a data trail. The problem is, is that data trail doesn't necessarily translate into the offline world. Right. Um, we think that there's a way to kind of connect that online, uh, that online presence, if you will, or personality with the offline world in an intuitive way that isn't, uh, let's say, in your face and isn't uh, doesn't feel intrusive. Um, I think increasingly more and more people understand that they have uh, a data presence, let's say, or data personality. And we just feel that there's a way to kind of take that, that online presence or that online cookie, if you will, and make it an offline cookie. So that if you were to go into a store uh, by introducing yourself to that store in a technologically way mm -hmm. in a technological way does that it, happen through the phone it happens through the phone yeah okay. really everything's mobile enabled i think so you're not you know. inserting chips no no okay. no exactly <laughs> no 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 big brother type technology but really it's mobile empowered mm -hmm. um you know people now have their phones with them everywhere they go um you can utilize a lot of technology on mobile whether it's through kind of let's say a qr code check-in or um you know the sort of gyroscopic technology of a phone that basically helps to kind of track movement and things like that right um and we think that again that more and more people, if you give them a compelling reason, if you sort of add value back to their experience, they'll be willing to kind of engage with you in that uh, technology-empowered way. Um, so yeah, basically the, the technology shouldn't feel like it's smacking you in the face. It should mm -hmm. real, feel really, really intuitive. Uh, I, I would I would use an example of another company which we admire very much, which, which would be Apple. And I think Apple, you know, the idea of their technology is that everything feels like intuitive to the human experience. You know, um, what you would normally be thinking to do, their, their technology somehow enables, whether that's just speaking out instructions to a digital assistant, whether it's kind of through the hand gestures, you know, of sort of enlarging and shrinking photos, everything just feels really intuitive. Mm -hmm. And now it's almost, if you look at a child interacting with an iPhone, you know, they kind of kind of get it within a few seconds. And I think that's the way technology should feel within a store if you sort of make a parallel. It should feel like it's just easy and you get it. It shouldn't feel like a chore. Right. And when you were talking about the you know location, the store knowing that you walked in, it, it obviously brings to mind Beacon and mm -hmm. push notifications. Yeah. And I think that's something that retailers have tried to get right for a long time. And it hasn't really worked, I think, just because it's a little bit, um, you know, puts puts the, the weight on the customer to really log in. And it like the chance that a message from a retailer will be exactly what someone wants to see at the right time yeah. is pretty 
unlikely. Sure, <laughs> so sure. I think that, so how do you, how do you come up against that? Well, I think, are you, and are you using beacons? Yeah, we, we would definitely, beacons would be one of the many technologies that could be a part of store of the future. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, I will probably sound like I'm a little evasive, but I'm not. I'm just <laughs> saying that there isn't one single sort of package of technologies that is store of the future. Mm -hmm. Store of the future at its core is really a platform. It's a platform that's an extension of the Farfetch API enabled platform that basically allows for Farfetch, but also other third-party technology providers who have incredible teams, incredible talent, great ideas uh, to be able to um, uh, innovate and then implement on top of the Farfetch platform to be able to interact with a store. Mm -hmm. So it might be that a brand that we work with has some elements of the Store of the Future platform, and perhaps it's a brand that's also on the, the Farfetch platform. So there's already uh, heaps and heaps of data for their for their customers that come from the platform. But then they've uh, engaged the services of another developer to come in and build them a tool that, uh, let's say, empowers an experience within their store. That can all be possible in the future on this technology. So again, uh -huh. it may or may not include beacons. Right. Um, one other thing that's critical is that definitely the data is the customers, and that's critical. It's that it's their data to be able to share or not share. So it, it, implicit in all of the things that we build will be a do not disturb type um, you know feature where if a customer for example decides that they, they want to go into a store and not be uh, bothered they can say you know I'm in do not disturb mode mm -hmm. or they can even keep their kind of physical uh, you know keep their device enabled so that they can check into the store but still say I have a preference not to be helped while I'm in the store and that's okay as well right. it just still would be able to enable and provide the store with more more information about their visit mm -hmm. perhaps it would be a pre-existing wish list of items perhaps it would be previously purchased items um, the whole idea of being that these thousands and thousands and thousands of data points that we've already collected uh, through their online habits would be able to better enhance the offline experience. Right. So when you're walking through, um, you know, you think online, I, oh, I hovered on this product. Um, I, I looked at all the sizes. I put in my bag. I didn't buy it. You, that's some of the data sure. points you're talking about, yeah, right? Exactly. So, so say in, in, you know, I'm in a store. Um, I'm looking at a, at a shirt and then I walk away. Like, how do you pick that up in a store? So this is actually, I can tell you a specific technology that we've been working on. This is one of my favorite ones, which is called the connected rail. Mm -hmm. So if you are utilizing the Farfetch store of the future app, you've come into a store, you've checked in. The sales associates are now aware that you're in the store because they would be using, let's say, a sales associate facing version of the app as well. Uh, they know that you're in the store. They see that you have a pre-existing wish list of items that you've perhaps left in your wish list, but mm -hmm. not removed and then as you go through the store if they're using this product which we're referring to as the connected rail uh, all of the products that would be on the rail would have uh, an RFID enabled um, chip or tag right. uh, again very very uh, non-intrusive technology uh, and that uh, tag that RFID tag will be able to interact with both proximity and also uh, mobility to be able to say to your phone to your app when you've removed the product from the rail that you've taken a look at that product mm -hmm. so let's say it's a floral dress you've taken the floral dress off of the rail suddenly within seconds magically this item appears on your phone in a in a very beautiful beautifully rendered photograph mm -hmm. then again utilizing a lot of the kind of intuitive um, uh, you know kind of ergonomic features of uh, of uh, modern technology if you want to keep that item on your wish list simply swipe right if you want to uh, exit that from your wish mm -hmm. list you decided you don't want to look at it swipe left and you're basically continuing to create your 
online offline wish list mm-hmm. as you browse and again it's just that simple human motion of just taking that item off of the rail taking a look at it is all it takes to get that item into your wish list from that point forward if you've kind of uh, let's say enhanced your wish list or created additional things you can continue browsing without holding on to those items and ask your sales associate through your app to go ahead and begin your your dressing room and they mm-hmm. would have all those items ready for you to be uh, tried on right interesting mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned you, you know it has to be for the customer it has to be adding value and, and customers are willing to sort of give up that data and uh, opt into an experience when it's really offering something. And so, but how do you sort of bridge that, bridge that gap, get over that hump of like, you know, people walk into the store, they might feel like, oh, it's annoying that I have an online wish list. It's not in here. Or maybe it's like, you know, somewhere in the back of their minds or they think like, oh, it's annoying. I have to carry around all these clothes before I get into the fitting room. Uh, but at the same time, it's like when it's still like the easiest thing to do is just walk into a store and not have be like opting in and saying, do not disturb, or I want this and I want that. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you sort of bridge that gap and and get over that hump of like the existing customer behavior and changing that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Really, it comes back to the idea that everything needs to feel simple and intuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, When we did a live demonstration of the kind of beta version of Store of the Future uh, in the month of April in London, when we launched the uh, technology, we brought together the executives and chiefs of 200 of the world's greatest brands in the world and brought them as they'll be, you know, critical audience members, let's say, for this technology and potential customers of Store of the Future. Uh, And really, we demoed the experience of a customer through through the eyes of this customer. And as she walked in, it was just a simple gesture to check in. It wasn't a it wasn't an obtrusive process. It wasn't complicated. It didn't feel clunky. And really, just by that simple motion of checking in, as you might for an for a flight, you know, as you sort of check in with your boarding mm-hmm. pass, uh, suddenly her experience was richer. I mean, she was able to be interacted with by the sales associate first by name. He was able to identify if she was a VIP of that brand. Mm-hmm. He was able to see which other stores maybe she had visited and and other things that could just simply enhance the experience. Uh, and I think. I think, you know, that kind of thing, that sort of simple gesture, that sort of simple action, it, it shouldn't be something that feels um, complex or intrusive in any way. And fundamentally, we think that technology within a store really needs to be giving something back. And whether that's time or uh, experiential or, or any of these things, mm-hmm. if it feels in any way like uh, something that feels hard or complex or takes more time. Um, and, and it, you know, I've, I think we've all probably had this experience where we've tried to interact with, you know, basic technologies and stores and realize that if something wasn't right about it, it actually took longer. Right. You know, someone was standing there with something while that sort of spinning wheel was going around saying, oh, I wish this would work. And then they had to try another device. I, I think, you know, that, you know, technology, it's not perfect, but I think the whole goal is to really try and create something that utilizes simplicity, that has sort of intuitive motion, intuitive kind of um, process at its heart really can help to enhance the shopping experience. Um, What we're trying to avoid is that sort of very basic, very... um, non-personal interaction that seems to be happening in a lot of stores today Mm -hmm. um you know just that can i help you Mm -hmm. um do you have this in my size just very basic non-personal questions the the reality is is the physical retail experience it's it's a magical i you know and again 93 percent of all sales still happen in physical retail Mm -hmm. and the future will be still 75 80 percent but it's a magical experience you know the the touch and feel of the fabrics the smell the ambiance the design of the stores this legendary architects designing these beautiful flagship stores but if the experience of being in that store doesn't continue to evolve then that magic spell is going to wane Mm -hmm. it's going to feel like you know everything was built for this beautiful kind of um temple of of fashion and luxury but the experience felt still 
stunted and kind of impersonal. We think that, again, technology can be one of the ways that we sort of build that bridge between the kind of person and the personality that they've sort of built with this brand and then the awareness of that person within the store. Right. And and obviously people still shop in the store probably because of the, the instant gratification. Yeah. No matter how fast shipping gets, it's still not as fast as, you know, p- making a purchase in stores. And so when you're talking to the, the brand executives and the people who own these stores and are there every day, um, you know, we look a lot about uh, sexy tech versus their, the very basic tech. What are you hearing from from these executives and these store owners? Like, what is the first thing that they want to do? Is it sort of just faster shipping? Like, what's the things that they have to knock out before they can sort of get onto like the the you know bigger bigger longer term stuff? It's a great question. I think any brand executive who didn't say he was obsessively compulsively fixated on the supply chain and of getting the right product into the right environment to the right customer would be lying Mm -hmm. because that still (laughs) remains I think one of the fundamental inefficiencies of physical retail Mm -hmm. is that you have to try as best as possible through your supply chain to try to get the right product to the right place and have it there for the consumers that want it. Right. Uh, I was speaking recently with a, a very large brand, a, an American brand, that uh, we're talking to about a variety of different ways to interact and partner uh, with, with Farfetch and this brand. And he was hearing some of the uh, things that we've been able to do for other brands, whether that's, again, just you know by plugging into the platform through Farfetch, we're able to ship from 42 countries into 190 plus countries, usually in a matter of two to three days. We offer a same-day delivery collect in store um, and we've even very excitedly just launched recently a 90 minute store to door delivery with Gucci exclusively mm-hmm. and he was hearing these things and he was thinking you know wow the efficiencies that you've been able to get through your through through the the, the platform through enabling these brands and boutiques would mean uh, you know a double digit increase in my sales in time through just getting the right product to the right person at the right time coincidentally I had a great experience with that executive's brand I went into one of his stores and I was able to um, order an item that wasn't in that particular store, but they were able to get it overnighted to my home. Uh, and and I was happy to tell him, you know, this is a great service that you're offering today. You could enhance it in these three or four other ways and really satisfy your customers in a much deeper way, really by fundamentally just getting that first thing right. You know, mm-hmm. no, no one wants to be on the wild goose chase, the kind of, you know, uh, Pokemon Go, if you will, their mobile device running around trying to capture that product. Right. They basically want to know that when I go to the store, if they have the product, fantastic. The instant gratification is solved. If they don't, they're going to have a solution for me. The worst feeling is to go in and just walk away empty-handed mm-hmm. and feel like, you know what, they didn't have any answers. Right, and then the next step is I can just go find it on Amazon. Exactly, <laughs> right, precisely. Well, so, except for luxury. Right, <laughs> do you think that for that reason, so it, it sounds like, you know, these are all things that, you know, can sort of speed up this this boutique process, this luxury fashion process, Um sourcing the right products, just making it more intelligent across across the chain. Uh, and that seems like it's, it's you know, it's Amazon pressure. Uh, yeah. People are, whether you're buying luxury from Amazon, you know, or not, you're still training the customer to get everything that quickly. Yeah. So do you think that these luxury executive, executives, are, are they threatened by Amazon? Are they thinking about that? Even if like they're thinking, okay, they still haven't nailed luxury yet. Does it, is it like a looming threat? I think people think about Amazon and they think about how it's transformed, yes, this sort of culture of urgency and immediacy. Mm-hmm. 
And they definitely, I mean, if Amazon wants to conquer an industry, it's usually a question of when, not if. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but the one thing that's really critical for success in online uh, luxury goods is obviously supply. Mm-hmm. I think you can nail the digital marketing. And again, today, you know, Amazon is, is considered you know, just an organic choice for so many people that they're not spending on uh, to the same degree on some digital marketing that other brands that don't have that name recognition would. You need to have customer service. You need to have operations. Um, one might argue that Amazon doesn't necessarily have all of those things. Customer service, let's say, it's not necessarily the hallmark of Amazon, in, right. in some people's opinion. Right. <laughs> uh, and then certainly what they don't have is they don't have the supply. So without the supply, what are you selling? Mm-hmm. Um, will they try? Certainly they'll try. But then you have some very, very, um, let's say, um, uh, hard views of the luxury industry and specific executives who have spoke out as such and said, we just simply will never work with Amazon. It's not a luxury experience. Amazon is very transactional. It's a, it's a place where you go if you need something, you need it fast, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know who would want to sort of mentally switch from buying toilet paper to then buying a $1,500 dress right. for a gala dinner, you know, in the same kind of uh, mental space. It just right. doesn't feel very natural or very intuitive. Mm-hmm. And if anything, the the experience of shopping on Amazon as well, while it's incredibly, incredibly efficient and, and does so many things well, it just doesn't feel very emotional. It doesn't feel very... Um, you know, there's no whimsy to it. There's no sort of romance to it. There's mm-hmm. no, it's just very transactional. And I think the, the, the experience of shopping for a luxury product should feel emotional. Um, and I think that there's a space for, you know, maybe someone else, perhaps Farvetch, to come into that space and really kind of capitalize on a lot of what Amazon has done well, that sort of sense of logistics and urgency and operations and all those things, and, and really fulfill all of those things. But, you know, doing so in the spirit of the luxury industry. And so right. I think um, my view is that Amazon is going to continue to struggle to kind of get into that space, mm-hmm. but um, continues to sort of innovate in so many ways and pave the way in so many ways that other brands and, uh, and other sort of uh, retailers can learn from. Right. And, and that takes us back to the physical store because that's a big competitive advantage that, you know, not not only Farfetch in this endeavor has over Amazon, but also like a Target. Like they have stores all over the country that can serve as fulfillment centers. All they need to do is be able to make those connections. Correct. Um, and so so how do you how do you see the store as like an in-store experience as well as like a, a, a fulfillment center? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, right now we're a little bit in danger of stores just becoming fulfillment centers mm-hmm. and sort of being seen by customers as, as you know, stock rooms um, or showrooms, let's say, where right. they can kind of go in, try the item on, see it, and then immediately get onto their phone or their device and sort of begin to find who is selling this product at the right. lowest possible price. Yep. There's definitely a danger of that. And that's, I think, going to continue to be a danger if stores don't find a way of, again, knowing who those customers are and having a richer experience ready to go for them when they come into the store. I think a lot of brands have devoted a lot of energies and time and attention into kind of trying to make the interactive experience, the human experience, a better one. I was a part of one of those brands uh, very proudly uh, that was you know, spending so much time and resource on the customer experience. And I thought, you know, this brand was doing beautiful things. I was very, very, um, you know, honored to be a part of that. Um, But again, a lot of it wasn't very technologically enabled. It wasn't a time yet where that was possible. Let's say it was, Mm -hmm. you know, six, seven years ago where you were really devoting the energy and the resources into trying to have a relational experience with a customer as opposed to a transactional experience. Right. That's fantastic because if you're a brand that's been able to do that and if you've been able to get the mindset and the behaviors of your staff, 
staff focus much more on creating relationships in whatever way they they, they, they are able to mm-hmm. and away from just simply hawking products then you're already sort of ripe let's say to just enhance that little bits uh, little bits and ways through technology mm-hmm. and and going back to the the role of the store that we're talking about, um, we hear so much like, oh, physical retail is dead, it's dying. Oh, no, it's actually not dying, it's just changing. And then it's like, okay, well, here's this new type of store. Why do you think we're still saying store is the future anyway? You know, it's, what's, what's taking so long? Yeah, I, I think to some degree, I think it's a reflection of the fact that the store of the future will never be here um, mm-hmm. and it will exactly. never be finished, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, we've begun in earnest working on this project within the last two to two and a half years, um, hiring in an amazing executive, Sandrine DeVoe, who came from uh, Harvey Nichols. She was their uh, director of Omni Channel and had been doing a lot of things with Harvey Nichols to try and enhance the kind of uh, merging of offline and online. And Sandrine, since she's joined Farfetch, has just been obsessively focused on building, you know, the the foundations of our store of the future. Mm-hmm. You know, again, working with uh, the the API platform and being able to sort of build something that could become almost the operating system for the luxury industry. And right. Really, there's only a handful of operating systems out there that have successfully, you know, survived iOS. Uh, you know, Microsoft, um, Android, and others. And we think that there's one that's possible to be built that other kind of third-party technology providers would love to play with and interact with for the luxury industry. Um, So, you know, but the idea is that we're two years into this. We've built a beta suite of technologies, which we've now unveiled to the public. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been able to see how it's possible to interact in a seamless way in a luxury store environment. But by no means are we done. And I think we won't be done even if we checked back in with each other 10 years from now. Store of the future would still be right. somewhere just off. out of reach. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that's the idea. It's just about continuous development and continuous innovation. And I think that uh, not everything will succeed. Some mm-hmm. things will sort of, you know, fall into the kind of like trash heap of yesterday's mm-hmm. attempts. But you know, out of this should emerge this um, incredible sort of um, confluence of, of creativity and technological innovation and all of it sort of powered by um, what the brands do incredibly well already today which is you know create the desire for the products mm-hmm. build the the you know those sort of incredibly beautiful things those heirlooms of the future and the kind of fashion of the moment that will kind of keep powering the desire to have these things and you know our our view is that we can kind of be a partner in that experience in terms of you know creating a way to kind of make it a more experiential thing through technology right and I, and I think that's an interesting point because I think across the board, and, and something that I always sort of come back to is when you look at companies that are doing really well and, and brands that are performing really well, it always does come down to the product and, and whether or not people want it. That's yeah. like a very obvious thing that I just said out loud. But <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to enhancing that that um, product and that brand with technology, like what do you think is like, what's, what is luxury technology? Mm-hmm. Like you, we met, we talked about, you know, just having a, you know, someone who knows your name, they know if you're a VIP customer, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really big deal. If you're spending a lot of time and money with a brand and mm-hmm. you walk in and you might get like stiffed by a, by mm-hmm. a sales associate, you're going to take that personally. Totally, and yeah. so how else are, are, is technology making it a luxurious experience? Well, I, I think that's an important one because I think there's a handful of things which are going to be consistent across all brands. I think all brands, if you ask them would say, yes, we would love to know who the customers are that walk through our doors. 
you know, we would love to know kind of if they have pre-existing history with our brand, mm -hmm. they've shopped our brand, if they're a VIP from another country. And the brand that I mentioned working with earlier that was working on the customer experience, one of the first things we sort of trained our sales staff to do was to basically inquire very early on with the customer, is this your first time in our store? And to do so in a polite way, you didn't want to risk offending somebody who's there every day, mm -hmm. you would hopefully recognize them. But in doing that, you would kind of create a, a sort of a, a binary path. Yes, it's my first time in your store, in which case you take them in a different direction. And no, it's not. I've been in before. Great. Welcome back. What was it that you had looked at the last time, et cetera? So I think knowing things about the customer is something that technology can help to enable mm -hmm. uh, in a significant way. And again, I, I say this with some sensitivity, but like I think that there's a generational divide in the willingness to be able to sort of give that data up right. almost on the point of entry, right? Some might feel that it's intrusive and that it's not something they're willing to do regardless of the fact that they're utilizing Facebook and Instagram and these other things every mm -hmm. single day. Right. <laughs> so effectively, every time they open the app, they're giving their information up. Mm -hmm. um, whereas others, I think it's just like they're perfectly comfortable with that. They'll give you that in exchange for a quality experience. Mm -hmm. So there's some basic kind of bread and butter table stakes things that I think every brand would say that they like. But then I think from there... Um, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I would say that it's actually incredibly, it has to be incredibly modular. It has to be incredibly personalized to the brand mm -hmm. so that the way that um, Alexander Wang or Hermes or, you know, Comme des Garçons or Gucci might utilize technology to enhance the in-store experience, it might be totally different. Mm -hmm. One might be focused on a very pragmatic and kind of like um, solutions-oriented type approach to where they make everything about the store um, easier, faster, smoother, but there's nothing visible. There's nothing like interactive one might go a totally different route and really want the technology to be a real part of the experience. I think we don't um, try or purport to sort of have the answer that fits every single brand. We think there's probably some basics and some fundamentals, but that brands themselves will be agents in the decisions around, you know, what technology feels right for my environment, what things will enhance my insert brand's name here, customer experience, right. you know, and, and that's where the that's where the innovation will happen. Right. And so we talked about the uh, the basic tech that, that executives and, and brands want to master, which is the supply chain, streamlining that, um, figuring that out. Uh, so f to wrap this up, we're almost out of time. What do you think is the like the farthest reaching uh, piece of tech that, that brands and executives are interested in, they have an eye on? Wow, that's really, uh, that's really hard. I mean, you hear a lot today about things like, you know, artificial intelligence or voice-based assistance mm -hmm. or things like that. I mean, one thing we have to sort of accept and recognize is that um, fashion is not downloadable, right? right. It, as a content, as an item to have, it is not downloadable. So the same way that technology completely disrupted like the music and the media space and uh, other spaces where it's basically things can be compressed down into tiny little files. You can have a million songs in your pocket. Right. Um, doesn't work that way for right. fashion. So. At least not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the virtual dress, I'm not quite sure. You know, but um, that, that's something that we sort of recognize. And that's where physical retail has at least some um, there's there's a there's a port of safety I suppose and then mm -hmm. that knowing that they must exist for a reason because those physical sort of items that people desire they're, they're not downloadable so the the technology will always I think be a bridge to whatever it is that um, you know brand executives or you know store owners boutique owners will will sort of utilize to get 
you know, the person from point A to point B, which is ideally their store to buy their product. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like super far reaching technology or things that are like really, really disruptive, hard to say. I mean, I know that some stores, some boutiques are already experimenting today with things like virtual reality where you, know, you can have a sales associate with a camera mounted on their head, <laughs> you know, basically virtually shopping their own boutique for someone in a far flung location, you know, looking around and sort of as they look around, I got to be careful not to look away from the yeah. microphone. But, um, <laughs> but basically, you know, being able to give that virtual shopping experience to someone. So that, that's not incredibly far flung. I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of feels like in the here and now. Right. The question will be, you know, does it feel like gimmicky or does it feel like something that's actually really helping to convert more sales right. and helping customers to feel like they can actually have that experience? So uh, hard to say. I think, you know, certainly those are the areas that are very buzzworthy when mm -hmm. you, you know, talk to people in the tech industry. They talk about artificial intelligence or virtual reality and things like that. I think those technologies will have have a place in fashion and in mm -hmm. the luxury industry but whether they'll be like so disruptive as they have the potential to be in other industries is it remains a question to be seen mm -hmm. and i and i will say that and again i'm a little old school i suppose in this and i i came up in my own luxury uh, career through bricks and mortar retail with some really really beautiful and incredible brands i always think that that is going to have a place in this industry and i'm super super um hopeful that it will because again this is a magic kind of experience and can continue to be one and it can be enabled and, and empowered by technology but technology shouldn't necessarily sort of subvert it in my view right and yeah. and right now at least no one really looks that cool with a virtual reality headset nah, strapped to their not. head so <laughs> uh well great thank you so much jeff for, for joining me um and that's all the time that we have um and thank you for listening we'll be back in new york next week with another episode and in the meantime be sure to follow us on itunes and stitcher and leave us any feedback you have